0: Welcome to the Gregory Diggow Podcast. Let's get our Bibles out. I've got a word from God for you, and I'm very grateful that you came and joined me online today. And I really appreciate your presence. You know, we have to really value each other's presence. And so often we forget about God's presence. And we don't appreciate his presence like we could or should. He's always with us, but you just don't always feel his presence. And with each other, we don't always feel each other's presence. But when we stay connected, there is a power and there is a strength and there is a, there is a multiplication of God's power and God's strength in your life and in our lives when we stay connected and when we're together, you know, I have a just a simple message for you today. And um, the title of this teaching is a mother's wisdom, a mother's wisdom. And before I get to a mother's wisdom, I want you to just understand with me that how precious life is, I think, in the last 12 to 14 months or 15 months now that um, that's become clearer and clearer to me how precious life is when people lose their lives. We realize how precious life is. And when so many people lost their lives in the last in the last 15 months with the virus and the complications of that virus and the uh, various underlying conditions that people had, so many people dying prematurely, so many people dying before they could truly enjoy the the fullness of life that God intended for them. But I want you to know that God's made a promise for you. And it is this that. The enemy, the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. But Jesus said, but I have come that you would have life in abundance till the full till it overflows. No matter what you're going through in life, God wants you to know your life is going to get better because he's promised that the path of the righteous gets brighter and brighter until the full day. You know, our focus on the church, our focus as a church for the last year has not been. We just can't wait to get back to the way things were. The focus of our church has been We don't want to go back to the way things were. We want to go forward to the way things were meant to be. We want to go forward to the way that God intended. We want to go forward to the way that God planned. You see, God's always unfolding a greater and greater part of your plan, his plan for your life. And that's why we need to trust. And in our church, we have decided to build our future based on these three core values that we will reprioritize our lives around trusting God. We will revive the simplicity and purity of devotion to Jesus, and we will reimagine what the church can be. What can the church be? The church can be the beautiful gates that God intended us to be. The church can be the beautiful gates that are the entryway into a life above and beyond anything you could ever imagine. The church is the beautiful gates. The church is the beautiful gates of precious pearls, one pearl stranded together, connected to another pearl. That's you and me And us as believers and the family of God were the precious pearls that Jesus came to look for, to search for and to trade everything for so that he could buy us back, redeem us and call us his children again. So let's be the beautiful gates. Let's not be the closed gates that are for the exclusive and the holy. Let's be the beautiful gates that welcome everyone freely to partake of God's goodness, his love, his kindness, his warmth, his forgiveness, his mercy, his grace. So we're focused on reprioritizing our lives around trusting God. We're focused on reviving the simplicity of our devotion to Jesus and to one another. And we are reimagining what the church can be the beautiful gates, not the church that judges, not the church that condemns, not the church that requires so many hoops to be jumped through for a person to be accepted. What a sad condition that we've made it when people have to fight. And prove that they're that that they're worthy to be accepted when Jesus accepts us freely just because of his great love for us. So this is what brings me to something simple today. A mother's wisdom. In John, Chapter two. Jesus performs his first miracle in John, Chapter two. And I want you to see this because it's so beautiful, this miracle that takes place and how it takes place. How many are ready for a miracle in your own life? How many are ready for a breakthrough of some sort in your life? In John, Chapter two, Jesus does his first miracle, turning water into wine. It says in chapter two, verse one, on the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee. Something powerful just there on the first sentence, the third day. The third day always represents resurrection. The third day always represents something beautiful. The third day always represents something beyond what we ever imagined. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there and both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. Isn't it amazing that the first thing we see Jesus doing is going to celebrate now, it's not really the picture that was painted for us by religion. Religion paints Jesus as a somber, sore, uh, so, so, sour or sad savior, a Jesus with misery and, and and without joy, a savior that is seriously condemning people and giving us all the rules, dishing out the laws and and the new commandments. Listen, that's not our savior. The, the, the picture that religion painted is not the picture. It's not the true Jesus. That's the That's a vandalized version. That's a, a version of Jesus that has been completely misconstrued. Beautiful painting that was vandalized by religion. Jesus is altogether lovely. Yes, he is all together lovely. And it says that Jesus and his disciples went to the wedding. They didn't say, no, we have to go to church. We can't go to the wedding. They didn't say, no, we ought to go to the temple. We can't go to the wedding. No, they didn't say, no, we can't go. We're praying. They didn't say, no, we can't go to the wedding. We have to fast. I know that that may be an exaggeration slightly, but I want you to know that They didn't have a hesitation going to this wedding and celebrating. And then they didn't have any hesitation in the next verse. Verse three, when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, well, it's a good thing. The wine ran out because these people were drinking too much, not encouraging anybody to drink too much. Please don't. But you understand that the custom in that day was to celebrate. Wine was a, a, a source of celebration, as it should be shouldn't be a source of dependency. It shouldn't be something that somebody becomes dependent upon. And God can free you if you have any form of addiction, by the way, he can set you free. But everything is meant to be used and enjoyed in moderation. Everything good that can become dangerous should should be kept in moderation. But when they when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said, woman, What does that have to do with us? My hour has not yet come. And then the wisdom of a mother kicks in. The wisdom of a mother and his mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you to do, do it, whatever he tells you to do, do it. What a word for us today, whatever he says to you, Do it. Now, she wasn't referring to make sure you do everything that he's ever told you. Make sure to keep all the commandments. Make sure to do everything right. Make sure to never make a mistake. Make sure you guys are all holy and got it all together so that we can get some wine out of this guy. He's a miracle worker. No, she's just referring to what he's about to say to them. Whatever he says to you, do it. And I want to encourage you that with this wisdom today, that God is going to make clear to you the next step for your life and whatever he tells you to do, do it. Every one of us is in need of a breakthrough. And something is going to come to you. God is going to speak to you. God is going to reveal it to you. Everybody who needs a miracle today, everybody that needs a breakthrough, everybody that needs something good to happen in your life. I want you to be ready. I want you to tune in. I want you to lean in. I want you to get ready with anticipation and expectation. Because whatever he tells you to do, it's going to be miraculous. Whatever he tells you to do is going to turn into your miracle. Whatever he tells you to do is going to result in your breakthrough. You know, to have expectation today is what I want to encourage everybody to have and to live this way with great expectation. I'm expecting something great to happen today in your life. I'm expecting something great to happen today in my life. I believe that something great is always on the other side of doing what he tells you to do. Now, you know what happens in this passage of scripture. Jesus tells them, fill the water pots with water. And there's a lot of lesson to be learned here. And there's a lot of. um, Magnificent. Gems that we can pull out of this passage of scripture. But I want you to stay in verse five for a moment, and I want you to see this again. I want you to see the wisdom of a mother now. However you grew up, mother's always had wisdom whenever you however you grew up, no matter how good or bad your upbringing was, there would always be some wisdom that would come out of your mother's mouth. And there's always something there in what she says, because it's almost always said with love, and it's almost always said with your best interest in mind. And I want you to know something that whatever he tells us to do, he has you in mind. He has your best interest in mind. Always. God will never tell you to do something that isn't for your best interest. He'll never tell you to do something that will hurt yourself. It will always be a benefit and it will always be a blessing. But I want to make this even more easy to understand. Because life is precious, as I started with today, and life is simple, as I want to end with today. Life is simple. It's not very hard to understand how to live this life with God. It's so simple. She said to him, she said to the servants, whatever he tells you to do. Do it. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. I don't think life could get much simpler than that. I think God makes everything simple and man somehow turns it into something complicated. When you think about what God first told Adam and Eve in the garden, He didn't say don't eat from this tree. The first thing he said was eat freely from all the trees. Eat freely from all these trees. Behold, all these trees in the garden from all of them eat freely. But this one. Don't eat from this one for the day you eat from it, you'll die. It's really pretty simple. It's always been. It's never been complicated. Man has this complex that he must make things more complicated to make them superior and really more complicated. Something that is more complicated and complex doesn't make it superior. Simplicity makes it makes it superior. Life is meant to be simple. God intended life to be simple. We've made it hard. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. And can I tell you, I thought about this and I thought, God, this can't be this simple. And he said, yes, it is, son. You know, man makes it so hard today as we were worshiping, I was just so thankful to be able to sing to Jesus, so thankful to be able to lift my hands without shame so thankful to be able to lift my hands in his presence. God has made it so easy for us and we've made it so hard. I used to hear religious voices and voices of other Christians that would say you can't worship God freely because you've got to make sure your heart is right. You've got to make sure that you've purged yourself of all sins and all thoughts of sins and all thoughts of thoughts of sins. And if you know anybody that's ever thought of sinning, get rid of that in your life, too. All of this religion that we put on people, puts them in bondage. But as we were singing earlier, we're children of God. We're sons and daughters of God. We're not slaves. We're not we're not in bondage anymore. Jesus comes to set us free so that we can freely receive and then we can freely give. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. You know that. There are really only two things that God tells us to do. Everything boils down to two things. What if I said to you, if you want to enjoy the abundant life, if you want to experience all of the goodness of God, if you want to have the healthiest self and the healthiest relationships and the healthiest life, if you wanted to live a life where you truly experience life beyond your wildest dreams, if I said you can have that and you can live that way and there's just two things in order to experience that, you'd probably get a pen out. You'd probably get your phone out. You'd probably get your thinking cap on. Make sure you zero in and remember these two things, because they're very simple. And it's true. If you truly understand these two things that I'm about to tell you, you'll never live a life of regret. You'll never live a life where the troubles and the trials of life control you anymore. You'll never live in religious condemnation. You'll never live in guilt and shame another day in your life. There's really only two things that he's telling us to do, because everything else flows out of these two things. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. And I thought, what is it? What is it? That God. Is saying to us. Whatever he says to you, do it. Life is so simple. It comes down to these two things. Look at first John, chapter two, verse 20. For if our heart condemns us. First John, chapter three, verse 20, if our heart condemns us, we should just stay condemned. Is that what it says? For if our heart condemns us, we should just live in that condemnation and the guilt the rest of our life until our heart stops condemning us. No, that's not what he says. He says in whatever our heart condemns us. God is greater than our heart and knows all things. In other words, when your heart condemns you, God wants you to know what he's done for you is greater than whatever voice is condemning you. In whatever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. What does he know? All things he knows. All things are forgiven. He knows all things are in the past. He knows all things and you know what? He doesn't know. He doesn't know your sins anymore because he remembers them no more. The Bible says whatever your heart condemns us, whatever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. Let's put more faith in God being greater than our heart, than our faith in our heart condemning us says God is greater than our heart. You have to choose which are you going to listen to. Are you going to listen to your heart or are you going to listen to God when your heart is condemning you? That's the wrong voice to listen to. Listen to God, which is greater than your heart condemning you, because he knows all things. Your heart only knows the condemnation at that moment. But God knows that it's forgiven. God knows that it's washed away. God knows all things about what you've done. You only know a part of what you've done. You only don't even know really why you've done what you've done. But God knows why you did it. God knows why you failed. God knows why you fell. God knows why you sinned. He knows that that's from Adam and Eve passed down from generation to generation. And we're spending our times beating ourselves up about something we've done wrong when the only reason we've done it wrong, I'm not saying that we shouldn't have personal responsibility, but the only reason we've done all those wrong things is because we we have the DNA of Adam and Eve in our lives. And that's why he says, stop siding with the condemning heart that you got from Adam and Eve and start siding with the God that is greater than your heart. And he knows all things. He knows the reason for all things. And he knows that he's taking care of all those things things by washing you in his precious blood so you don't have to live condemned another day in your life. Why? Why does he not want you to live condemned another day in your life? First of all, because he doesn't want you to be unhappy the rest of your life. And he doesn't condemn you anymore because he paid the price by putting it all on Jesus. And then he doesn't want your heart to be condemned because, beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. Why does God not want you to have Why does God want you to side with him rather than your heart condemning you? Because when your heart stops condemning you, when you stop letting your heart condemn you, you have confidence before God. And then what happens in whatever we ask, we receive from him. Whatever we ask, we receive from him when our heart doesn't condemn us. But then he says. Because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing to him in his sight, he's not saying. If you do his commandments, he'll answer your prayer, he's saying you are doing his commandments and you are pleasing to him. He's saying, you are keeping his commandments and you are pleasing him. Oh, but no, there's so many commandments I broke and there's so many things that I did that uh, I don't think I'm pleasing to him in his sight all the time. And sometimes I am and sometimes I'm not. And then he tells us how simple it really is. For this is his commandment that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. These are the only two things that matter in life. At the end of the day, these two things are what is all about that we believe. It doesn't even say we have to believe that God is can do anything and we have to believe this promise that we have to believe this. and All we have to do is believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. All we have to do is believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, you know, <laughs> I had a lot of doubts over my lifetime, over my 30 something years as a Christian. But you know what, even I can do this, believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. No, it can't be that simple. I'm reading it to you. No, it's 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 more complicated than that, really, is it? This is commandment. You know, it's funny, it says in first John, Chapter five, verse four. And his commandments are not burdensome. And his commandments are not burdensome. Look at verse three, I think for his commandments. They're not burdensome. We feel like they are because we've been told we have to obey all these commands. And yet he says, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. What are they? Go back to First John, Chapter three, verse twenty three. It's very simple. First John, Chapter three, verse twenty three. This is his commandment that we keep that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. There's no way you're going to be able to believe everything in the Bible all at one time. It's progressive. The only thing that you need to focus on is believe in the name. Of his son, Jesus Christ, Think you can do that today. (laughs) I think you can. I believe in his doesn't even say we have to believe everything that he said, even though we do believe what he said, we do believe everything that he said and we should believe everything that he said. But that's not his command. His Command is believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. And love one another. <laughs> it's that simple. And by the way, the only reason you can love one another is because of first John four nineteen. he says, we love because he first loved us. Look at what he says in the New Living Translation. First John 4 19 first John 4 19. We love each other because he first loved us. He loved us first. It's so easy to love other people when you know his love for you first. And it's a reflex. Loving each other is not a commandment that is some high ideal that you have to somehow reach loving others is a reflex of being convinced of his love for you. So when Mary says whatever he tells you to do, do it. That's the wisdom of a mother. And what is it that he tells us to do? Believe. In the name of his son, Jesus Christ. And love one another. This is all about reviving. Simplicity, the biggest mistake that most of us make is that we try to consume more information all the time because we're afraid we're missing out on something. And I want you to know something you're not you're not missing out. We don't need to keep gathering more information. If you want to learn other things, it's great. But stop learning new things out of the fear of missing out. Learn new things because you want to explore and discover them. But stop thinking that you're mess that you're missing out. The fear of missing out goes away when you understand how simple this life can really be. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. What does he tell you to do? Believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. Why? How? How is it possible to love one another? Because he first loved you. Life is precious. Life is simple. And I want to close with this. Life is everlasting. In John 316, Jesus said, the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. How beautiful the whole Bible, the whole plan of God is revealed in this verse. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus, the Bible says, is standing at the door and knocking in Revelation three twenty. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. I'll close with this story in 1967 the Beatles were recording their album Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band and they were they had to go to the studio to do the recording of a song on that album called Fixing a Hole. Paul McCartney of the Beatles was delayed and as he was getting ready to go with the other Beatles were already at the studio. Paul McCartney, hears a knock on the door. Comes over in 1967. Opens the door and a man with long hair looks at him and says, Hi, Paul, I'm Jesus Christ. Could I come in? Paul McCartney, true story literally says, absolutely. Come in. They have tea together. They talk. And then. Paul invites. Jesus Christ, whether it was him or not, like only God knows. He invites Jesus Christ. To go with him to the studio. They get in his car, they get in Paul's car, they drive to the studio and Paul introduces the other Beatles to Jesus Christ and they're all glad to meet him. They sit and start recording their song. They invite him to stay. They look up 20 minutes later, he's gone. Where did he go? Was it really him? Who knows? The beautiful thing in that story to me is that when somebody knocked at the door and Paul McCartney thought it was Jesus. The man said he was Jesus. The point is he opened the door and invited him in. Would you open the door today and invite Jesus into your life? He's knocking. For sure, it's the real thing for you. It's the real thing. Pray this with me. If you've never received Jesus as your Savior and Lord, pray this with me. Heavenly Father, that's it. Heavenly Father, I invite Jesus Christ into my life as my Savior and Lord. Say that out loud. I believe Jesus died for my sins and rose from the dead. From this moment forward, I'm a child of God. Amen. You see how simple that is, you say, what about all the other don't worry about it. Don't listen to the noise. Don't listen to all the preachers that tell you how complicated it is and how if you don't do this and you don't do that, don't listen to that anymore. Just now. Let God love you. Let God lead you. Let God teach you. Stay connected. Keep listening. Keep watching. Stay close. And everything is going to be all right. Happy Mother's Day to all you mothers. We love you. We're here for you. If you need anything, you reach out to us. We are a global family and we are better together. And I'll see you next time. God bless.